WBEZ Features is supported by Adler University, educating students to advance socially responsible practice, healthy communities, and a more just society. With degrees in psychology, counseling, public policy, and leadership. Adler.edu. Earlier this year, Chicago's oldest chartered hospital disappeared. Mercy Hospital in Bronzeville changed its name when it got sold to a new owner that took over June 1st. But before that, Mercy had plans to close, and there was a nearly year-long fight to stop that from happening. The battle eroded trust among Southside residents Mercy served, and it highlights the obstacles to providing health care to people who need it most. WBEZ's Kristen Shore spent more than a year documenting the story, and today she takes us inside the fight to save Mercy. This letter is to inform you to Dr. Nazar Basra, Dr. Theodore Cristal, Dr. Madra... Etta Davis sits on a bench outside her apartment in Bronzeville and reads one of a handful of letters she got in the mail last March. Uh, I have five, and they all say the same thing. It's just the different doctors telling us that they'll be leaving Mercy Hospital. Davis grew angry. She lives in Dearborn Homes Public Housing a few blocks away. Some of her neighbors couldn't afford car fare, but they could walk to Mercy. She was there about every three months to ease the arthritis in her spine or keep her blood sugar in check. And she'd been through this before. She went to Michael Reese Hospital on the south side before that place closed more than a decade ago. This whole thing is like a nightmare all over again, you know, because when Michael Reese closed down, you know, we had to scuffle around, try and get different medical records and things transferred over to Mercy. And now we're doing the same thing. In July of last year, In the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, Mercy leaders announced the hospital would close this spring. The South Side already was a healthcare desert. It's much harder here for patients to find doctors than in richer, wider parts of Chicago. So at 67 years old, Davis wasn't going down without a fight. In the coming months, she would deliver one fiery speech after another. We have always had substandard care in our communities. And now, instead of helping to improve the only hospital in our area, You slap us in the face again by talking about closing it down. Well, I'm calling on whomever it takes to save Mercy Hospital. Today we go inside the fierce fight to save Mercy, a safety net hospital that treated mostly poor, elderly, and black patients, in an area where health disparities raged. But it was bleeding money. It was struggling to survive. And the battle to save it began immediately and would be waged by the very community it served. Who has forgiven more evil than us? And we have to sit here and beg for a hospital. I was born at Mercy Hospital. My two brothers are born at Mercy Hospital. And we want Mercy Hospital to be here today and here forever. We are no longer asking for mercy. We are demanding mercy. Mercy declined all of our interview requests. But the fight wasn't just about saving this hospital. It was about the glaring lack of investment in black communities for generations. G2 Brown led many of the Mercy protests. Grocery stores, schools, hospitals, quality housing. You kill a community by divesting in those institutions. More than a thousand people worked at Mercy, but they were largely missing from the outcry. They were banned from speaking out. That inspired Dr. Anadeep Dasaraju to join the fight. We want to treat these patients. We care about these patients. As a resident, Dasaraju wasn't on Mercy's payroll, so he couldn't be silenced. We sit at the bedside with these patients. 
we stay up for 24 hours and longer with these patients to make sure they get through the night. Do not abandon this community that we care about. While all these protests raged in the streets, the battle to keep Mercy open was also happening in government hearings. Because in Illinois, you can't just decide to close a hospital one day and shut it down the next. There's a process. A state regulatory board had to sign off, and the community hoped the board would block Mercy's closure. But here's the issue. Before I even agreed to be on this board, I know very well this board has no real power. Dr. Linda Ray Murray sits on the Illinois Health Facilities and Services Review Board. It's supposed to be a check on the hospital industry. Say a hospital wants to open a big clinic or close a pediatric unit. It must first get the board's blessing. But this board can't force medical providers to do more or less. Like keep a hospital open, even if it's on the brink. If you don't have power to help finance that hospital, that it's really a shadow power. It's what Murray sees as part of a bigger problem. That healthcare in America prioritizes money over patients. These votes to close in a system like ours, a capitalist system like ours, are sort of amusing. Medical care system in this country is designed to maximize profits, period. Good morning. We represent the Illinois Health Facilities and Services Review Board. There were months of public hearings and board meetings, with hours and hours of testimony from people imploring Mercy to stay open. Dasaraju was among those who laid out what was at stake. I treated three cardiac arrests in an hour and a half two weeks ago, where time was of the essence. People showed up dead. They did not leave my emergency department dead. Patients shared personal stories of how Mercy saved their lives. Doctors feared their poor patients would get shot out of other hospitals. The community wanted more of a say. Trust had been broken. Mercy is not just an empty building and a plot of land for auction. She has a life and a soul. Dr. Adele Cobbs in Mercy's ER took part in a failed bid to buy the hospital. She serves the community and is part of the community, and that community belongs to me and countless others. Meanwhile, as the battle forged ahead... Mercy, as Chicago knew it, slowly began to disappear. The crosses came off the walls in this Catholic hospital. Mercy's once busy ER had stopped accepting city ambulances. So other hospital ERs that were already slammed had to absorb even more patients. That's because people at Mercy were beginning to disappear. There were not enough nurses. There were not enough staff. Susan Ward delivered babies at Mercy for years. She says the staffing shortage made it unsafe for her patients, something Mercy's former owners dispute. Still, Ward's clinics reluctantly left for another hospital. I mean, a whole service after 30-some years of delivering in, in a space to go somewhere else was just, you know, it was just so scary for all of us and our patients. I'm still hurting. I'm still hurting. I love that hospital. In March of this year, and the 11th hour, After months of pleading and protests and hearings, something happened that no one was expecting. A company called Insight from Flint, Michigan, won state approval to buy Mercy and took over on June 1st. But the hospital would get a new identity. Atif Bawahab is the CEO of what's now called Insight Hospital and Medical Center. What we're walking into is essentially a shell of what this hospital used to be. He's slowly rebuilding what was lost. Surgeries have resumed, so it's intensive care for the sickest people. But it's also about rebuilding trust with the community. We were not embraced with open arms by any means. Bawahab says Insight has sincere intentions. 
For her part, Etta Davis, the former Mercy patient and activist, says she's keeping an eye out. We're not just in the fight for Mercy Hospital. We're in the fight to make sure that we get equality in health care. We thank God for the battle that's won, but it's not over yet. Kristen Schorsch, WBEZ News. This story is part of a fellowship with the Association of Healthcare Journalists, supported by the Commonwealth Fund.